This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And Jim Sebastio is not with me. He is still on sabbatical, but I actually was uh, texting with him yesterday. He wanted me to send his regards to those of you who, who listen. He's doing well, uh, relaxing, uh, hiking, doing all kinds of good things that Jim uh, enjoys and needs to be doing. So keep praying for him. And when he gets back, we're going to touch base on how his sabbatical was going. He did tell me that it still feels weird to be doing what he's doing and not at the church and all those kind of things. So he's still struggling through that, but having a good time, I think. So, But Jim's gone, and I'm really excited that I have a good friend in, the, in our studio with us to be able to pick up the slack for Jim in a way. Mm-hmm. Ronnie Martin is here, Pastor Ronnie Martin, uh, pastor in Ashland, Ohio, a good friend of mine, and he's in town for the Harbor Network Summit that just took place. And he's been really kind to, to stay a few minutes more and come and, and have a conversation with me, so... Ronnie, man, thanks for coming yes. and being here. Oh, man, it's so good to be here. Good to see you. Yeah, you So I, I think it would be easier to, I don't know, um, you can, you're a pastor, you're a your husband, you're a father, you're a writer, you're a podcaster, you, you're, you're working on a demon in all your free mm, time, right? I'm a so, fool. You, you mentioned that too. Yeah. I, I, and I want you to know how much I'm longing to call you Doc Martin. It's coming. You're almost there, man. Keep going. We're, so, we're getting close. You're thankfully. almost there. Thankfully. So, but yeah, would you just kind of take a minute? You have, you have like 17 hats. Oh, so man. would you describe to everybody what some of those main hats that you wear and where you do those things? I mean, even you laying that out stresses me out. <laughs> You just you stressed to, me you out. You need to cut some things, I think, is what we need to do. Oh, we need to shift this conversation that way. 100%, right? You can. This should be a counseling session. <laughs> Tell me what I need to cut. Yeah, so the main thing would be is I'm the, um, the lead pastor of a church in Ashland, Ohio, uh, called Substance Church. And uh, Ashland is kind of halfway point between Cleveland and Columbus. Okay. So we're like a mid-sizey, you know, university kind of town. And um, so we planted there about eight or nine years ago. And uh, planted another church up the road about 20 minutes uh, a, a couple years after that. And then that kind of leads into our involvement with Harbor Network, which is a church planning network. Right. And uh, been with them since almost the beginning. And so we do some work for them, my wife and I, Melissa. Uh, we do some, some work in the areas of church health. Okay. And connecting other pastors and finding ways to care for them and their wives. Okay. And so that's just a, a broad overview of some of our, of our involvement there. And we kind of do, so I do some of the same work for my denomination, which is the Evangelical Free Church of America, EFCA. And um, so, so do some of that pastoral care and connect work with them as well. Man. So, man. You're wearing, yeah, I'm, I'm getting tired just listening I, to all I this feel stuff tired. And, uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, then, then uh, you know, man, like, like, like everybody that's already doing too much, um, you know, writing some books in my, in my spare time, you know. <laughs> And, uh, you know, making some music in my spare time. Right. I, just doing, I don't know. You know, I, I don't, yeah, it's, it's hard to even talk about in terms of where, where it comes from. But we're empty nesters. Yeah. And uh, we, have a, we have a 26-year-old daughter who lives in Denver. So, I, you know, there is a little more margin. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a little bit older. And so we, we can create some of those margins a little bit easier, even though we got to be careful about, you know, man, just being overloaded. Yeah, I'm like three or four years away from that spot, so I'm already taking notes. Oh man! And I'm coming to you to help me understand. Okay, how do I like balance this? Because empty nesters have this—they're you know, notorious for like I have all this free time now, and yeah. 
then I just fill it up with all these things. And right. so I'll have to have to get your wisdom on that as I approach. And that. my wisdom would be go to somebody else for better wisdom. <laughs> That would be. Did a, you just hear all the things I'm doing right now? You, I need to send you. I'm the last guy you need to come send you to. Somebody obviously. else, right? That's great. And so, um, and you're also you're. Uh, I, I have to. I have to go here. We won't have to spend long. But you are working on another degree. So yes. working on a, a D-min yeah. where? Yeah, D-min at Midwestern. Okay. So I'm you know getting in with all you you Baptist guys. Good you for know, you. A little bit. It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so all, it's just at the tail end of that. Yeah. Okay. So last class and then my paper and then we're uh, home free. Are you that close? That close. Oh man. Yeah. You are close. All right. Good. Yeah, glad, man. I'm glad to hear that. So what I like to do, Ron, is is I want to I want you to uh, just share a little bit about um, calling to ministry. Even you know how were you when you were when you uh, were converted and how you sorted through a call in the ministry. Like, where are you from originally? We get into some of your story around yeah. that. Yeah, gosh. So, I, man, I, I had a my my parents had a had a Catholic upbringing, and I was I was kind of born into the Catholic Church, baptized um, into the Catholic Church, and we were from. Uh, I was born and raised in Southern California. So at some point in the mid-70s, that whole Jesus movement thing that happened um, just went on to completely change my parents' life. Huh. And so they were, they were saved. They, they're actually a little too old to be hippies because that's kind of a movement known as being sort of, you know, sort of started by a guy named Chuck Smith. But then it was, it was sort of, uh, it, was how, it was how this sort of this hippie population in Southern California was converted. And then you saw just this movement of music and churches come out of that. Yeah. And somehow my parents being like, I mean, honestly, the opposite of hippies and too mm. old to be hippies, mm. just were kind of caught up into that, I think, by virtue of the location, that we, just where we were geographically. Mm. And uh, they were saved in the mid-70s, and our household just changed. So I, I have an older brother and sister that are about 10 years older than me. And then it's myself, my younger brother, my younger sister. So it was almost like a, almost like a bit of a split family because at some point they were out of the house at, a, at when I was still at a young age, mm. and then I kind of became the de facto older brother. Yeah. And um, but that was also the time that my parents were um, were saved, and so the household just changed dramatically. So if you, you remember talk, that? I do remember mm. it. So if you were to talk to my older brother and sister, they have a it was a way different life than what what we had from that mm -hmm. point on. So again, it just turned into this. Um, Man, this culture shift in the house where, um, man, we were just, you know, we were at church on Wednesday night, Friday night youth group, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Yeah. I mean, it just engulfed our lives. Wow. Um, in, in some really positive ways, too, some really good ways. Sure. And, um, and that just, you know, um, converted at a young age. And then, um, man, about 10 years later, you know, kind of what happens to a lot of kids where it was, I think my faith was real, but there was a lot of it that I think had been just shaped by the culture I was in much more than my heart had been shaped, yeah, you know, yeah. by Jesus. Yeah. And so coming into my early 20s, you know, I, I had to have that moment where, it, you know, the Lord had to meet me at a place and, you know, this thing had to become real. Mm. And that, that moment definitely happened right around the time I, I married Melissa in my early 20s. Okay. And then um, the Lord just really, really did a work um, when we were married. And I'm just, it was basically kind of facing that, that realization of like, hey, are we, are we just, are, have we become these cultural, you know, nominal Christians? Because in Southern California, there's a big church on every corner, and it's just really easy for that to just be a part of the lifestyle, but, mm. but not really something that is, um, you know, that's being, that's shaping and forming your heart. And I, mm. God really did a work, got us into a really good church, mm. and that's when things started to, to, to just kind of 
be reshifted, refocused for us, and then in eventual years later, kind of calling a ministry. That's so great. It's a long story. Yeah, and that's great. So, so how how did you sort through your call in the ministry? Like, how old were you when you started? sensing what wondering if god was calling you into something like that man i was kind of a late bloomer with okay. all that i was involved in the music industry at a young young age and so you know from about 20 years on i was i was i was on a christian record label called tooth and nail and i was making records and i was producing records i was out on the road i was i was just living that lifestyle doing a lot of that and it just you know it was it was really what characterized my life it dominated my life and, you know, all through that, um, the Lord, there was a lot of grace in my life because mm-hmm. I, I didn't end up going down a lot of those dangerous, harmful, you can't come back from roads. Yeah, right. So the Lord preserved me, preserved, sure. our, preserved our marriage, you know, through all that. And that is not the case for, you know, sadly for, for a lot of these guys that, 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 you know, go into that industry and, mm-hmm. and they don't come out of it unscathed. Yeah. And the Lord just protected us from that. So I got to do a lot of the work that I wanted to do but wasn't as influenced by some of the lifestyle things that, that can happen, the negative lifestyle things that, yeah, right. that happen to a lot, of these, a lot of these men and women. So at some point in my early 30s, there was just some, you know, God just started surrounding me with some people that started asking me questions. Mm. And um, again, I'm out on the road a lot, but we're always involved in a local church context. But it was just, there was just something about it where um, there was a lack of rootedness. Mm-hmm. And I think some you know, some, God brought some men into my life, some pastors that I think for the first time knew who I was, knew, knew what I did. So knew who I was because of what I did. And these were guys that literally intentionally, and I would say boldly and courageously grabbed me and said, Mm. Hey, I I would love to get to know you a little bit and talk to you because I don't, I don't feel like there's anybody in your life that does that. Mm. You're kind of out doing your thing, Mm. but there's nobody that, that really has gotten that up close and personal with you. And they did that. And I remember the first time this guy named Robert, um, he looked at me and he just said, dude, what are you doing? And I just was like, huh? Are you allowed to ask me that? Yeah, right. And he goes, well, I'm your pastor, so actually I am. Mm. You know, This is new. <laughs> yeah, this is new. And But I was glad that he did it yeah. because he was actually caring for me mm-hmm. in, that, in that way. And I, I wouldn't have realized that till years later that yeah. God was using Robert. But he just started challenging me. Mm. And he wasn't saying what I was doing was wrong, but he was saying, you know, look, wh- where does this... You know, th- this, this, uh, th- this thing about you being a-, a believer and going to church, it feels really detached. It feels like this extra thing in your life rather than this integrated thing mm-hmm. that is supposed to shape and affect everything you do. Now, did you say, wait a minute, I'm, I'm a Christian music artist. I- I'm totally. out on the road, man. What are you talking about? It was all of I'm that. I'm more committed to Jesus than most of your people <laughs> no, are. Exactly. Because there's this idea as a Christian, I'm going to put the Christian industry should be put in quotes, but right? No doubt. Christian music and industry. No doubt. But you're, you're kind of, they give you, when you, they, you're kind of always given this false sense of like, this is my ministry. And, and for a lot of guys and for certain individuals, it, it can be. But it really is some. It really doesn't play out that way, mm-hmm. you know, in the way that you yeah. think of ministry in terms of it being something where you're giving your life away to other people. That's not really what it is. True. I mean, it's really self-involved. That's man. that's well articulated. I don't think I've heard anybody articulate it like that. So that's good. That's helpful. And by the way, we we could like do a whole episode, I think, on music <laughs> stuff because I, I, you know, I was in the music industry in a formal former life in a similar. Mm. Not to the level you were, I mean, you had, you were on labels and doing tours and that kind of stuff. I went to Belmont oh, pursuing man. music, you know, yeah, and yeah. I, I was on the road a few years and realized quickly I didn't want to, but mm. that, that was, that was the wake up call, go to Nashville, 18 years old oh, and man. to, to see, uh, the Christian music industry is not as Christian as I thought it was. And yeah. 
Uh, that was a that was a pretty big wake up call. Yeah, I mean, there's some. There, it's like anything. It's like any industry, right? It is. It's, you're right. I mean, people are there to you know um, market products, which happen to be musicians and albums, yeah. and make money because they're corporations, they're record companies. I mean, you get it, you understand it from a particular standpoint. But I think the dangerous part is it gets masked in ministry, and not that those things can't even have a have have an effect for the kingdom, mm-hmm. but for the individual. Yeah. But like what's going on in the heart and in the lives of the musicians who are being promoted and pushed into areas that um, man, they, they you know, they they need to have that kind of charisma, but has their character been developed right. to allow their heart to to handle, you know, the everything that that brings. Yeah. And um, so that's why it has. That's why you see so many. You hear about so many disaster stories. Yeah. You know, within that whole thing. Again, God. God preserved me in that. Even though I, I, I didn't have the character, and I, I was immature, and I wasn't. I wasn't growing at the same rate on the road as I would have had I been more. You know, just linked and attached mm. more securely to a local church. Yeah. Even though we were always part of a local church, we didn't. We didn't buck out of that. Yeah. But um, man, I, you, I, looking back, I can see. There, there was much more of a slow, slower development than I, than I think could have been or I wished would have been. Yeah. And yeah. when you said pres- God preserved you, like, I, I don't think most people hearing that going, oh, well, yeah, you know, it does that with that. No, no, no. Like, when you said that, I thought, I know exactly what you're talking Like, the amount of friends and musicians that their lives went off the rails. Yeah, 100%. Uh, being on the road and living that life. and all, I mean, it was, it was hard to distinguish even Christian Christians on the road a lot of times. Yeah. And so... Yeah, that so that's how that hit me as soon as you said that. I could go on tons of rabbit trails. I yeah. think there's one question I want to ask though around this, and then before we move on, and that's did you have you found though with your experience just with music in the music industry, knowing that world that 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 really ended up benefiting you when you became a pastor, and trying to just under you understand music, you understand musicians, you understand instrumentation and. Did you find that was particularly a helpful experience to be able to go into pastoring from there? Yeah, I think on a couple of different levels. Um, one of them is one of them is 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 uh, you know one of them would be just around the idea that like uh, learning how to engage with people and mm-hmm. you know pastoring is engaging with people and some guys that are just coming out of seminary or they're really young and they they haven't really had a lot of experience just in, in literally like what we're doing right mm-hmm. now where you're learning how to ask questions and you're learning how to have good dialogue and you're learning how to unpack or help people unpack their lives a little bit yeah. as a way to show them that you care f- about them. Yeah. And um, so, man, you know, out on the road, you know, all, you know, all of that is people oriented. So mm. you, on a basic level that I think God used, um, man, he just taught me how to do that. Yeah, you know? that's good. And then I think on a, on a lesser level, but maybe, maybe important, probably not as important. Um, there's just something about spending so much time on a platform and having that not be something that unravels you, mm. um, you know, I'm not, a, I don't, I don't, I'm not fearful to, to step onto a platform. I enjoy being in front of people. Mm-hmm. It's not something I had. That, so that wasn't one of those things that took me a long time to have to acclimate to yeah. because I'd already been doing it for so many years. Yeah, which helps. So yeah. Stepping up to preach, the big idea, the, the problem for me wasn't standing in front of people. It was the, what I was about to say to them. <laughs> That was the problem. Can I just sing? Right. It's actually, <laughs> I know sermon this week. You know? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So I think those two things helped a, a lot, and probably other things that, that we could talk about that I'm not even thinking of. But <laughs> That's good. Yeah, God used it to prepare me for sure, no doubt. Yeah. Where'd you do your schooling? Where'd you do college and things? Yeah, so I went to uh, I went to Grace. So this is my third run through seminary. Yeah. And I went to Grace Theological Seminary. I went to graduate from Trinity. 
Now I'm doing Midwestern, and um, you know, which is ironic because I'm I'm not a uh, I'm not an academic. I'm not a, I'm not a very information driven guy. I'm more of an emotion mm-hmm. kind of driven person, yeah. and so it's a. Uh, I just like to be honest about this. It's a slog for me. Mm-hmm. It, it's really, really difficult for me. Yeah. So everybody that everybody that just says, "Oh man, I'm in seminary and it's been the greatest experience. I'm <laughs> loving every minute of it." I would say, "Well, no, it's been almost traumatic for me. It's <laughs> it's it's not been the greatest experience. Not because of anything I'm experiencing on their end. It's yeah. just all of how much I struggle with it internally. And um, I mean, God's using it. He's growing me in some some unique ways. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, um, as as a, you know, an Enneagram four musician, somebody who is very emotive, yep. man, oh man, sitting behind a laptop typing out papers is not the sweet spot, Brian. <laughs> That's not the sweet spot. It's good to me. know yourself in that way. Well, though, it's like, so when you finish this, you're going to, you're going to just know that and that's going to be affirmed that much more oh my gosh I'm not to be an academic and a scholar yeah, 100%. For my life so. yeah 100% okay so calling the ministry you're doing you're traveling on the road doing all those things what was the transition for you to actually transition to local church ministry and what did that look like yeah so again a little bit of that story about that guy that just sort of kind of you know really invested in me mm-hmm. and he was at this church that we we're at and again it was a really good church and um, the the teaching, the doctrine, um, it was it was something that I think um, it was something that we hadn't been, uh, you know, you know, it, it was it was the how do I say this? It was it was the kind of church that I would say, looking back on now, um, th- you know, their their theology was at a premium. So mm-hmm. they were in the neighborhood known as you know, sort of the the snobby theological church that okay. thought yeah. they knew more than everybody, and they they probably kind of did. Yeah, you know, um, so kind of getting into that that was different than any other kind of church we'd ever been a part mm-hmm. of. So doctrine was really their main emphasis, and and that was just like revelatory for us. Okay. So we're learning all kinds of things that we had just not learned up to that point. And at some point after having been there for, you know, some years and feeling like God was kind of doing something and, and, and sensing because of, again, the investment from these pastors and saying, hey, what, what would you think about becoming involved in maybe some of our worship ministries and, and doing some of these things? And mm. slowly but surely, um, it was just that very slow pull into some of those areas. And before I knew it, I'm over this massive worship and music ministry at this, at this church. Really? Yeah. I wow. mean, it was, it was cause it kind of shaped the church. So it was one of the churches that had a big choir yep. and a little more traditional. They had, you know, four different worship leaders. They had a massive audio visual wow. video team. Wow. You know, they had 10 sound, you know, rotating, <laughs> you know, it was just one of these massive ministries. And at some point they said, we just want you to come in and just be over this ministry. Hmm. And, it was unique in the sense that they gave me kind of carte blanche. They said, they said, here's the deal. You just need to make sure that we have a Sunday service ready to go. Hmm. Any, any part that you want to play in any one of those areas. So if you want to lead worship every week, do that. But you do mm. have a team of worship leaders, so they it was it was very team oriented. Yeah. Um, or if you just want to work in the in the audio video, or if you want to do sound, if so, the only thing I couldn't do was lead a choir, but I had a choir director. Yeah. So that was my next question. Like that's a pretty it, vast. It was gifting. vast. Yeah. Okay. It was vast, and I did not have I did not have major giftings in all those areas, mm. but um, I knew enough in all of those areas where I could function and I could just empower and help people to do what they knew huh. how to do better than That's me. That's great. And so they just put me over that. Oh man, it was baptism by fire. I, I mean bet. it was I mean it was just it was it was a ministry of over a hundred people. 
that I had under me that I had to be, you know, operating within. And so, man, the Lord, the Lord just used wow. that. Some sleepless nights. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, Where so, was this? In so this California? was in Southern California, okay. Corona, California. And, um, and man, oh man, I mean, it was, it was like sometimes, so I was a little bit older, right? I'm in my like early mid thirties when this is happening. And it was just, it was like just being dropped into just a boiling, you know, cauldron of, of water. Yeah. How many people at at that church? How big is this church? Yeah. It was like 1500 to 2000. I was one of the, yeah. So that size team. Yeah. And they just built a brand new building and it was this, all this momentum and this, this, it was, it was Corona was this town that was just growing by leaps and bounds. Everybody's mm. moving in. So it was it was being caught in, in one of those kind of movements. Mm. And I, I was so it was I was so far over my head. And um, you know, sometimes your personality gets you places where your your gifting has not yet arrived. Yes. That yeah. was one hundred percent. I mean, I think if I went in there and tried to do it now, I could say the same thing. Yeah, right? right. Right. And um, but I mean, it was almost like I was playing catch up yeah. all these years. Yeah. And the Lord just used it. I had some gracious guys around me that mm. were just Hey, just do your best. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's no fail here. Just, just, we just need you to help, help, mm. help manage this, run it, be creative, and help us just kind of walk into walk into the future. And so, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, that I I spent almost five years at a similar church. Oh man. And I was one of I was the number two guy, of uh, the head guy, longtime head guy. And he brought yeah. me in, kind of the same thing. So they, you know, okay this is your gifts and skill set to just do that. Like do the worship teams and help lead and, mm. and, you know, develop the, the bands and those guys. So they, they knew my gifts and they kept me in my lane, but it was, uh, it is a tremendous amount of pressure, isn't it? When so much pressure. churches, big churches are, are really built on a ministry like that. hundred percent. And the one I was at certainly was, was one that it wasn't built on preaching of the word. It was built on the, the music ministry. Yeah. There was a ton of pressure on each of us to, to bring to have to you know perform it and that's how this was the music ministry really was the primary ministry of the church because the choir was the primary ministry of the church when you're 30 your church is in the choir oh man yeah (laughs) yeah i mean changes the game there was there was so much pressure so i'm still i'm straddling that was still being on the road a little bit but i but i could sense that the lord was calling me but i was very you know we talk about call it can be this very like illusory thing you know and, and i and i wasn't i was really resistant to it um, because there was this sense in the music industry, you know, um, worship ministry is where musicians go to die, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and, right. Um, right. You've, you've played out your time in the industry it's where musicians go to die. Yeah. And I, and I was, re- and I, th- I may have helped coin that phrase and I just, so I, the Lord was really humbling me because it, it, it felt like a logical next step for me in some ways, but I, I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. And I, I really wrestled with it and I resisted it. And so that was all part of just, I think, the work he was doing in mm-hmm. me. Like, is this a call or yeah. is it just the next step? Yeah. Or uh, shouldn't I like this a little bit more? Am I, su- <laughs> I I'm supposed to love this more than I'm loving it, right? Yep. Like, and so I, I think, again, given just, given just the, I think, the confusion and sort of the kicking and screaming coming in experience I had, mm-hmm. um, I look back on it now and I can see that. God was already allowing me in that moment to say, so here's what pastoral ministry is, Ronnie Martin. It's mm. tension. Yeah, It's tension. Yeah. And that tension's going to begin now, and you're going to have to figure out how well you want to lean on me in that tension. Because that tension is not actually ever going to necessarily be alleviated. Oh, man. <laughs> what a good lesson to learn. And 
if you've made a strong case already, Ronnie, that you're glutton for punishment in, joining, <laughs> in doing that. But if, if, if the listener is not convinced yet, then you decided to go plant a church in the Midwest. Oh, man. So I was hoping you wouldn't mention that. <laughs> well, it's kind of it's kind of a glaring part it of is. Your, it's, your story. It's I glaring. Have to say. Yeah. So what? So what made? Is, did you leave from there to go plant? So the crazy thing was, it's too long of a story to get into. So the the cliff notes is that, um, man, at some point in this ministry, um, the guy, the lead pastor that I was really connected with, and who really had had a, a, a really shaping you know, just effect on my life, my wife's life. Um, he left. So he, he moved to another church. Okay. And so, you know, how that goes, that and changes it. The, game, so the yeah. landscape, you know, the environment changes. And so there was a sense where we, we, um, man, we just didn't know if, if it was long-term for us there. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, we were still traveling a little bit. And so an opportunity came up at another church in Ohio, um, to almost do, um, the exact same thing, but with some differences, and then give us the opportunity to do some teaching because I was really I was feeling drawn a little more into that. Okay, and um, so we had talked about moving to the Midwest. Like, I had a lot of friends in the music industry that lived in the Midwest, and they were living for like a quarter of the price. Oh man, that I lived in SoCal Bring for. It. Tell yeah, me about man. It. Oh man. And so none of those things we never we never took the leap during all of our music years, and this kind of happened. And man, you know how that stuff goes. One thing led to another. The doors kept flying open, yeah. and we just felt like, hey, let's take the, let's let's take this leap of faith. Let's let's dive in. So we actually did not move there to plant at all. Okay. What we didn't realize at the time was that God had always put us around church planners, even mm. at this other church. These were the dudes that were always drawn to me, mm. and they were always hanging out with me because I was kind of entrepreneurial and I was starting things and I was, you know, I had that kind of ambition. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and these were the guys that kind of caught that, hmm. and they, we always became friends. I had no—there was literally not even a thread in me that would have ever desired to plant a church or anything like that. Huh. But, you know, church planners think everybody should be a church planner. Of course. So they're looking at me going, you're going to plant a church. The question is when. And I would say, well, that would be never, you know. <laughs> and so they, God Sorry. was already doing that work. So by the time we get to Ohio, we land at this other church, which, again, was a big church, doing kind of the same thing we're doing at the other church. It was not a fit, though. So we land and day literally day one. It's a story for another time, probably mm. off the air. It was not. It was not, <laughs> not a fit. Good, huh? Not a fit. So again, God was using it. I get. I get. I immediately get invited into a um, a local gospel coalition chapter of church planters in Columbus. Huh. That I just start. These guys become my friends. Forty minutes away. All of a sudden, now I have these brothers. Every single one of them is a church planner, ironically really? enough. Mm, yeah. But they just become brothers where we share all this commonality. And um, this is like ten years ago. Yeah, 15? this w- this w- yeah this would have been in that range. Yeah. And um, where church planning was a huge movement that had started. it was it yeah. was happening. You know, you got Acts twenty nine, yep. and you know all these networks that are just sort of like emerging. And um, I'm again, long story short, um, it came to a place where. Um, I remember the moment Melissa and I said, hey, we need to start praying about this because we have too many people telling us they feel like they they see us, you know, operating in this capacity, but yeah. we just don't believe them. And, yeah. you know, we should we should stop. We should stop dismissing it and start praying about it and just see if God does something in our hearts to change that. And we that's all we did. Huh. We just said, all right, Lord, we're going to be open here. We're going to pray. And again, way too long of a story than what we have time for. But the Lord just opened up our heart to plant the church that we eventually planted okay. in, in Ashland. And 
man, you know, the rest is history. So how, how, how old is the church now that you planted? So the church is eight years old. Okay. Yeah. So it's going on a decade. Oh, man. And, um, and yeah, like, uh, like all church planning experiences, you know, I mean, it's had its moments. And um, especially the last 18 months, it, right? It, right. It can, yeah. And it could definitely be its own episode on the podcast. Oh, 100%. Sure. Yeah, I yeah. mean, 100%. But it has, it has easily been, I mean, one of the most sanctifying sure. things in our life. Because, again, I don't know that we – it's one of these things where you do this thing, but you never really self-identify with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's not like I walk around with a big badge that says church planner on my jacket, you yeah. know. Um, but, yeah, you know, we've planted a couple of churches. We're with – you know, a network that is planning churches. And so God just really just, uh, you know, submerged us into this particular area of ministry, something that, you know, 20 years ago, we would have never seen happening because it's not how we came into things, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it's, it's so interesting the way even within the call, God shifts you mm-hmm. and he changes locations, mm-hmm. you know, for you within the call. Yeah. And I find that to be really amazing and fascinating and again, just another um, way that we see that God does whatever He pleases. This is true. And He just He and He's He's doing things to us at particular moments in our history that we are just clueless mm-hmm. about. Yeah. But hindsight's a great thing, and we see how He worked. That's good. Know? Yeah. And I want to highlight too, man. I think one of the things I appreciate about you is is you're you're a church planter, but you don't wear it as a as a badge. And I think that. <laughs> Well, honestly, I'm, we're going to get in the next episode. We're going to get into the pastoring pastors part mm. of your ministry, but I think it's one of the things that makes you really effective in that way. Oh, is thanks that, for saying that. That the guys that are, if you're listening and you identify as this, let me let me just call you out. <laughs> um, you're a church planter. You live and die by being a church planter. You think it's the greatest thing ever. Everybody should plant a church because of that. Um, you pretty much have pigeonholed yourself in only being able to potentially help church planters. Um, and yeah. one thing you have done is. You planted a church. You have all the experiences, all the things to be able to speak about to help a planner, but you see the bigger picture. A planting is one piece, yeah, an important piece, but one piece to what God is doing and what's shaping churches and all those kinds of things. And I think because you have that perspective is one of the reasons I think you're 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 really helpful to other pastors, regardless on where they're coming from. Well, that's kind. I you know I, you know I think you it depending on who you are there are some perpetual church planters. Yeah, right. You could maybe maybe you could say that about the Apostle Paul. Right, he was a perpetual church planting. I guess we could, dude. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. yeah. But um, there are some guys of which you know, especially I would say maybe maybe the majority of guys that plant churches they quickly they they get out of that church planting mode they become established and they never want to go back to it. Yeah. So yeah. I mean that that church planting thing that traumatic thing they did which is called planting a church <laughs> that's in their past. And now they are just moving forward with with the church that they have. And Man, that's interesting yeah. that you say that because what I've also I've experienced, I feel like I've experienced more of this, and that's planters who don't ever really become established pastors. Yeah. So they right. get and you and you would have more experience with this than me, but the you know they they go and plant. They have the gifts to, to plant a church, but you got to have a unique skill set to do that. But then you get three, four, five years in, and I've watched a lot of planners get an itch. Like, I think I'm supposed to go plan again. Yeah, 100%. And they come and ask me about it, and I say, why do you think that? It's like, and they, I don't know, because I don't know what to do now. It's like, pastor the people, maybe, you know? And, and so uh, it's interesting that you brought that perspective up, but that I, you're saying is a pretty legit thing also that guys, they plant once, they get established, they do lock into pastoring people, and then they don't want to go back and plant in a church. It's both, for sure. Okay. Um, because, again, it's that personality type yeah. where you get these guys that are self-starters. 
They're very entrepreneurial. They love starting things. They're just not very good at maintaining them. Yeah. So they, they planted this church. Yeah, that's what interesting. They, what they loved about it was that it was something new. It was fresh. They loved seeing like those initial building blocks, you know, just being sort of like, you know, pushed down into the soil. And then they, they love just starting starting that process of stacking yeah. from that. And then as soon as that, as soon as it gets to a place where there's no more of that or, or whatever, we can't just keep doing that. We got to bring some level of stability. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't just keep talking about our, our initiatives and all the next steps we're taking, you know, because uh. people just want to be a little more, uh, have a little more stability and be a, more, a little more established. They just start feeling like, I don't know what to do. I don't know who I am because mm. God has given me that particular kind of, of wiring. And so I, what I feel like happens to a lot of these guys is they either mature at that moment and they mm-hmm. say, no, I feel like God wants me to pastor the people, bring some stability, let the gospel bear down on this and bring a sense of, of calm yeah. you know, um, and leadership. Yeah. And then other guys, it might just be that, man, that is their calling. They, they need to be That's maybe yep. part of a denomination or maybe part of a church planning network where they are those kind of catalytic leaders that are saying, I want to start that, then I want to start that, then I want to start that. Um, you just got to figure out who you are in that, yeah, in that's that process. Really, that's really insightful. And, and it, it's, yeah, this could, uh, this, uh, could be a whole conversation because I think that a lot of these guys have to almost come to accept and see the, and enter into the slog of pastoral ministry. hundred percent. Right? And that's a good word. And that's, yeah. uh, that's fascinating that, that, that would be a, that would be a really interesting conversation to have to, and especially with different guys. Is are there guys that are just kind of that catalytic leaders that just should be going and doing this because they're gifted in that way, and how how many of them should be pushed to uh, enter the slog and stay? I would say that's a great. I have that. So I have that conversation quite a bit, yeah. right? Because I'm, I'm working. Sure you do. I'm working with these younger dudes yeah. that get a couple of years in, right? And they're and again, a lot of this is who who am I? It's 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 identity crisis. And I think for the majority of these guys, I would say that they hit that they hit that moment, mm-hmm. right, where they really do need to settle into the work yeah. that God helped them establish. And hey, you know what? I mean, we're in an era now where there's a lot of resources and there is a lot of help to be a church planning church. Yeah. So it doesn't mean you can't plant churches, but you really should try to be firmly planted as somebody who wants to plant churches because the churches you'll plant will just be better mm-hmm. because you planted yourself. Yeah. And, um, and then I think there are some guys that God has just wired them. They need to be in more of a parachurch network uh, scenario mm. where they're just fluid and they're traveling. So, but I would say that's more narrow than the guys that need to become planted. Interesting. Yeah. yeah I, that would good. be my opinion, you know, but that's good. Ryan, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, thanks for being here, man. We're going to keep this conversation oh, going. Man, I love it. So, uh, part two's come, will be coming uh, next week as you're listening to this, and uh, we're gonna get into we're gonna get into ministry stuff and uh, writing and pastoring pastors and all kind of podcasting. We should definitely talk about oh boy, uh, it's all those kind of things. So, so yeah. So uh, if uh, if we can help be a help to you in any way, go to practicalshepherding.com and you can contact us there if we can be a help there. There's resources, all free resources there that you can access, and let us know how we can uh, we can serve you in the future.